From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And g'day, g'day. It is wonderful to be back. You know what? I missed you. They made me an offer that I couldn't refuse, and the offer was, how much do you miss these people? And I couldn't take it anymore. And here I am back. So, uh, and in video, uh, a great head for radio. I think you'll agree. Uh, a little bit different to what I'm used to over 15 years on, on air, but I'm enjoying it. And I can't believe just how terrific it looks. I have been watching, despite the fact that I haven't been on air for about five or six weeks, but uh, what a tremendous job the teaming it. The team at TNT Radio are uh, doing, and it is absolutely wonderful to be back. We'll be checking out the online chat, so get busy in there as the afternoon or morning, depending on where you are, progresses, and we'd love you to do that. Now, the MCU. Now, I'm not talking like Sean Connery. I'm talking about the MCU, the Marvel, you know, the Marvel comic universe, and they are absolutely shooting themselves in the foot, and they're indoctrinating our young by way of presenting these movies that are traditionally something that we'd love to go. Now, let's be honest, guys, uh, I think sci-fi has traditionally been a majority male thing, and certainly comics, that may have been the case as well. But when it comes to the Marvel Universe, we've gone from, you know, Tony Stark as Iron Man, this super uber cool alpha or sigma male, that was who the lead role was back when they, before they took over, before Disney kind of uh, got involved. And now they're gender swapping, they're race swapping traditional roles, and it's translating to absolute, uh, it's an apocalypse at the box office. And I'll be honest, I'm absolutely loving it. One of the people who is Hollywood, you know, kryptonite, I should say, kryptonite, is a woman named Rachel Ziegler. Now, this woman is going to appear in Disney's new Snow White. Now, it's a bit ironic because they've, they've not just swapped roles and gender swapped, and apparently, according to her, Prince Charming is now a stalker. The story is dated. Uh, she doesn't like the story at all. He's a stalker. So she basically hates the movie she's going to do. And she's been very vocal about it. So, well, while she should be out there promoting this brand new movie that was going to come out this year, they pushed it back to 2024. And now because of people such as Rachel Ziegler, it's now been pushed back to 2025. Now, it gets better. I think it's The Daily Wire, if uh, my memory serves me correctly. The Daily Wire, it's a conservative media company, and they've taken advantage of this. And what they are going to do is they are making their own movie based on traditional values on the original story. It is going to be magnificent. It is going to do wonders for them at the box office. And they're a small company compared to Disney. The budget is small, but the actors are terrific. Their attitude is correct. And it's something that I'm looking forward to doing because I'm sick of indoctrinating our young. They are taught to be woke, but we are rejecting it. Parents are rejecting it on behalf of our kids. A couple of things that will be happening as well as that movie being pushed back a significant amount of time. Snow White, they didn't even think the dwarfs should be in it. How dare we? That is rude to little people. I know a few dwarfs. I have friends, two of them, and uh, they don't mind being called dwarfs. They refer to themselves as dwarfs. And all the dwarf actors in Hollywood absolutely said, we wanted to play these roles. What else are we going to play? That was a quote by one of them. And quite simply, Hollywood is taking away roles 
their gender swapping, race swapping, disability swapping, if you will. So people who have some sort of disability, and I don't regard dwarfism as a disability, they're just little people. I think that's how they refer to themselves. They wanted to play this role. It's a traditional role, and they themselves have been ousted. But the the people are waking up, they're speaking up, and as a result, there is news that in 2025 they may be redoing via way of CGI or live action. We may actually get some actual dwarfs in the movie. Now, Rachel Ziegler is so unpopular that the there are other movies that she's currently in now that I have avoided purposely. Me and my son love, love going to the movies. We always watch every sci-fi movie that there possibly is. And we will not go and watch Snow White when it comes out. We absolutely won't watch this new mess that she's in. And uh, I'm just looking at the box office ratings and it is made uh, a fraction. It is made a fraction of what it's cost. I'm talking about The Marvels. That's another one I want to talk about, The Marvels movie. Uh, Brie Larson's in it, a not very likable character, another woke actress. And again, the MCU, where they're replacing traditional male characters. I'm not talking about, you know, actor roles. I'm talking about characters who were originally cast as males and they're changing them to females. They're more diverse and this isn't what we want. Uh, where will it end? A black Superman, perhaps? And yes, they are already talking about that. And I think any actor who's ever seen the current Superman, he is the best Superman we've ever had. You know, Christopher Reeve was was good, but uh, our current Superman is just absolutely phenomenal. And to think that he would be recast in the name of diversity, it would do my head in. Uh, other crazy things, Gal Gadot, arguably one of the most gorgeous women in Hollywood, the prettiest smile that I have ever seen, sorry, but she has. Um, she plays, wait for it, the evil, the evil queen. Gal Gadot's the evil queen and Snow White, uh, a role uh, based on the colour of the traditional German character's skin, is now played by a woman of Colombian descent because that's how they roll at Disney and the money is bad. They're going to make about one third possibly one quarter of what it costs them to make that movie. So the uh, people who are backing these movies must be getting pretty fed up about now. And if they're not, you have to wonder when that's going to happen. I might get back to that a little bit later. I've got so much I could talk about on the MCU, their movies and just the way that they are getting smashed. But I have to say, I enjoy it immensely. I think it is absolutely wonderful. Now, don't miss out on a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can easily listen live to us anywhere at any time. And it's available right now, keeping you up to speed right here at TNT Radio. It's the stuff. What citizen wouldn't want to make American great again? People are talking about. Vilifying MAGO is just not going to work. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yes, I missed you lot, and I've also missed this lovely lady, Gemma Cooper. How are you, Gemma? I'm very well, and it's lovely to be working with you again, Dean. What a delightful surprise on a Wednesday. It's normally a bit of a weird <laughs> day for me. Uh, the hump day, isn't it? It's, we've got as much ahead of us as we've got behind us. But um, today, it's really given me a spring in my step. And I loved I loved that editorial that you just uh, gave there at the top of the show, because you're quite right. You know, these fairy tales, they, are, they tap in, actually, to deep elements of our subconscious and our psyches and the whole roles of, like, the heroine and the prince. And, and, and in other stories, like Sleeping Beauty, the prince has to fight through the forest of thorns to get to the princess. They're actually 
complete allegories. And, and that's why people are definitely kicking back against this, this wokeism, because it doesn't sit well with what we instinctively know to be true. And these traditional roles are there because that is how we are designed, the male and the female in our society, the balance. So yeah, it does show, doesn't it? The public are just kicking right back against this now and are not having it. And I think that is part of what we talk about here on TNT. And I talk about a lot. It is this awakening, the way people are perceiving that we're being controlled in the way we're supposed to think, the way we're supposed to act, the movies we're supposed to go and watch um, to make us all kind of confused about gender and race and ideology. I, I, it's a great editorial. It shows that in the world of entertainment, in Hollywood, the holy word where the, the druids <laughs> would cast a spell, yeah, it's not it's not working anymore. The spell has been broken and we're not falling for it. So, yeah, that story is very, very powerful. It shows the kickback now and, of, of us against the system. Very and Gemma, nice. Don't you love, but it's coming back the same way that it came back to haunt Dylan Mulvaney when he did his thing. Well, this Rachel Z Ziegler, she's already been cut from the new Paddington movie because they know she is Hollywood kryptonite. Now, there is a terrific movie. And, well, I guess it would have been terrific, called The Hunger Games. It's a series of movies. And I absolutely would have gone to watch that, except who have they cast in it? Rachel Ziegler. So the only way I think we can vote and show Hollywood our complete disdain for what's going on, we need to vote with our pocketbook and just avoid these movies. And I will not pay as much as I'd like to see it anyway. And it's only a little, it's not really woke, but it has a, a woman in it who is woke, who has ruined other movies. So I won't watch that movie to teach them not to cast her again. And I think that's what we have to do. We have to vote with our pocketbooks. Absolutely. That is the only language that the system understands is, is money. There's never enough money for the system. There's never enough money for the elites. They're so narcissistic and sociopathic that there is money and power and money and power. Okay, well, we'll take away one of your sources of energy. We'll take away the money, then you don't have any power. Um, but what is so delightful is so many people are just turning away in their droves, you know, yeah. and not falling for a, 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 a Snow White that is of Colombian origin. Nothing wrong with that actress at all. I'm sure she's very talented, but stick to what these things are meant to be. They're meant to be life lessons. It, all the fairy tales, the Grimm's fairy tales, all of them, Hans Christian Andersen, the, the, these tales, the original Snow White, the animation from the 1930s and 40s was a masterpiece, yeah. an absolute masterpiece. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. These things are there <laughs> for humanity. They're not there for the system. So yeah. Yeah, Hollywood's on its way out for sure, for sure. And Gemma, I, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but I mean, we all knew Walt Disney. We knew his family values. We knew what a passionate person he was about America and the future of America. And he would literally, this is the polar opposite of everything that he started Disney and based Disney on. It has been corrupted and uh, he would literally be rolling in his grave. Mind you, I think if we look a bit at the origins of Walt Disney, there's a whole lot there with his family and links to the Nazis and all sorts. And, you know, <laughs> Disney as well, they put all sorts of stuff in their films in those animations in the early days. There's, there's loads of research done about like um, obscene uh, cartoons that have been snuck in through the back door. And, you know, there's a whole load of research on Walt Disney and the animation, subliminal messaging, um, even in The Lion King, there's that subliminal messaging. So, that, you know, the whole thing of movies for children, right, from a... a a young age with the Disney franchise. Uh, there are nefarious things going on there, but in terms of the actual fairy tales and myths and legends that Disney did uh, interpret, um, they, they were done well and they stuck to the originals. And, and that's, you know, sticking to the original because those originals are classics and they tap yeah. in, like I say, to a deep aspect of our psyche and our ideology in the Western world. So they're not to be messed with. They're powerful things.
No, and people that don't know what it is that you were speaking about, about or alluded to should go and check it out. I mean, there's one scene where there's a cloud formation that spells out the word sex uh, that somebody, you know, some uh, one of the cartoonists might have thought was a bit funny or I don't know what they were doing with that. But there are plenty of these little hidden trinkets, if you will, uh, in, in the Disney movies. Um, but, yeah, I mean, people such as Walt Disney, as, as you said, and even people such as uh, uh, Henry Ford, you know, who used to put out that publication back in the early 1900s called the international Jew. We had the father of JFK, who had he, and he almost was elected to be president. At one point, he was in, in contention. They thought he had a chance. And again, the, I mean, the whole Second World War could have gone a different way. It's very different, our history. And I guess you could argue that uh, history is written by the victors, but there's very much uh, that a lot of us don't know about our past, where we came from, some of the bigger names and what their political uh, interests were. And uh, it's all very interesting to see rolling forward. And, but here we are in 2023 as a result of things going the way they did so it's all very interesting yeah yeah absolutely the tide is turning without a doubt and it was a story i mean i didn't come on here this morning to talk about mythology and disney but <laughs> it's all part of the same thing which is agenda 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 these relentless agendas but what's interesting is um i'm, I'm following the COVID inquiry here in the uk and and a, and a gem of information has come out of this inquiry yesterday actually some interesting information that does show you know the agenda at play um and something that the inquiry should have been addressing from the start you know it's turned into a kind of pantomime but yesterday uh, my Michael Gove, uh, one of the MPs here, who's now the Leveling Up MP, but was, played a significant role in the in the pandemic, scamdemic, plamdemic. We all know what it was. Um, he actually said in the inquiry itself that there's a significant body of judgment now that uh, believes that COVID was man-made and it needs to be looked at. Now, three and a half years ago, as part of the agenda, this whole theory about the virus being man-made was a conspiracy theory, and we were all slapped down for even suggesting that that might be the case. It's been brought up in the inquiry, finally some questions being asked that should be being asked, like, you know, the origins of the virus, so-called virus, um, you know, things like the PCR test haven't been addressed in the inquiry. Um, but interestingly, the lead counsel of the inquiry, when Michael Gove raised this, um, so it's now official and it's you know on the on the transcript. He completely shut him down and said, This forms no part of this inquiry, Mr. Gove. Uh, it's a very divisive issue. We're not going to go there. Uh, hello, it is the most core part of the issue. Where yes. did this thing come from? Why was it released? How did it, you know, this thing has put the whole world into global prison, which is exactly what they want for us, talking about agendas, you know, Hollywood's trying to do it. This, this is this is what kicked it all off. Um, but it's there, it's been addressed at least. Um, and there have been suggestions that even uh, Boris Johnson's chief advisor, Dominic Cummings, uh, gave evidence uh, prior to the inquiry, which had to be redacted because that alluded to uh, a man-made virus coming from eight miles outside of Wuhan. So finally, finally, some decent questions being asked. Unfortunately, he's been slapped down. But we were called mad for suggesting that this there, there was something nefarious about this three and a half years ago. Finally, some vindication, and some vindication is the fact that what you were talking about, people turning away from Hollywood in their droves. So what what what, what three and a half years ago, we were all Tim for hat nutted wearers. Now we are speaking the truth and more and more people know it. Yeah, and but the best part is many of us, even at the time when we were being called, I don't know if the term cooker is a thing over in the UK, but certainly here, the term cooker is an anti-vaxxer. And uh, I got called a cooker a couple of times on on national talkback radio, and I responded by, "Well, I'd rather be a cooker than to have been cooked." 
And uh, that's certainly something that uh, I stand by. I think many of us who had the opinion we have today pretty much had it as early as pretty much early 2020. Uh, we knew we were right then. We can prove that we were right now. And again, we were just in damage control. And my biggest sympathy goes out to those who were coerced into it, those who put out their arm and didn't want to listen, wanted to call us names. Well, you know, you made your bed, you can lie in it. And I, that may sound unsympathetic, and perhaps it is. But the simple fact is those who were coerced, those who had to go out and, and know that they were possibly doing harm to themselves, but did so to pay the mortgage and did so to, um, you know, you know, put food on the table for the family. Those are the people that my heart goes out to. And I just hope that they suffer zero ill effects. But so many that I know uh, are suffering ill effects. And we know many of them ourselves. This whole one in a million thing, well, we've blown that out of the water a long time ago. But Gemma, it's absolutely horrific. And uh, it's fantastic to have, have you back and to be back talking to you here on TNT Radio. Yeah, you too, Dean. Have a great day. Okay, everybody. That's Gemma Cooper. And uh, we'll be back after this break. Stick around. You should hear what Ross Cameron is talking about. I see there's a new trend taking place, sweeping uh, the internet of what they're calling sort of technology naked walks, where you go for a walk without your iPhone, without uh, a headset, and just alone with your thoughts. Apparently some people are finding it quite emotionally taxing, but subsequently liberating. Uh, certainly I find if I get into a motor vehicle with a teenager, it's a matter of seconds uh, before there is a request for uh, usually the latest uh, Taylor Swift song or some other form of electronic stimulus. We are generation apparently trained uh, for a very short concentration span and a desperate need for um, digital company. Ross Cameron on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. A year ago, I couldn't afford the rent anymore. I had no support and I was out of options. I had to sleep wherever I could. I thought, am I going to be out here on Christmas Day? Your urgent donation of £29.73 could help make this Christmas the first day of someone's life beyond homelessness. I'm so glad crisis was there. I could finally get warm. I had someone in my corner. We got something for you. This Christmas, I'm here, home, because my first day at crisis was my last day on the streets. This Christmas, thousands more people across the UK will be facing homelessness. We urgently need your donation. Search Crisis at Christmas or scan the QR code to give £29.73 now. So many people who had no history of heart illnesses have got it now or blood clotting after the COVID-19 vaccination. Punish those who hurt people with COVID madness. Lighting the fuse for freedom. TNT Radio. And welcome back. I hope you're having a terrific afternoon or morning, depending on where you happen to be. And it's fantastic to be back. Thank you to all of those who asked where I was and inspired me to come back and uh, had a chat with Mike. Made me an offer I couldn't refuse. And the offer was I get to be back and talk to you fantastic people, including the Aussie Cossack. G'day, mate. How are you going? Oh, Dean, it's great to uh, see you again. Uh, always considered you a uh, close colleague and friend uh, before uh, and after and during any um, particular circumstances out of uh, our control and uh, we've been always on the same side during the freedom movement fighting the uh, government oppression lockdowns and mandates so yeah great to have you back 
Thank you, mate. You're, you're very much, you know, you remind me in many ways of people like Julian Assange. Uh, you know, you're living a, a similar life, mate. You, you put your own personal life in the back seat to do what's right for Australia and Australians and mate, and for Russia too, which I very much um, appreciate. And mate, I've, I'm, I think you're a bit of a hero to many of us. And uh, I know that you and I, we, we get paid well to do this, but mate, you would do it for free. Simple as that. I know it and you know it. I think you're wonderful. Mate, so much to catch up on. Where do you want to start? Well, look, today's news hitting the headlines concerns Constable, Senior Constable Christian White. Now, our listeners and viewers may remember this character. Christian White is the police constable who, on the 17th of May, shot 95-year-old uh, Claire yeah. Nolan yep. with a taser. And she was with a walking frame in a nursing home in Cooma. I don't know what's up with Cooma, but there's always scandals in Cooma lately. Uh, very serious scandals there, but stay tuned, September 2024. I'll bring you that story when that eventually uh, gets to court. But back to Claire Nolan. She was, you know, advancing towards him with a walking frame, the poor lady, and he shot her with a bloody taser. Right? She was holding a, a butter knife or the, the police say it was a steak knife. Well, how can a steak knife even be in a nursing home? And even if it was a steak knife, she's a 95-year-old with one hand on a walking frame and one hand with a steak knife. I mean, how possibly she could have posed such a danger to justify shooting her with a taser which killed her now the outrage from the general public uh was such uh, that there were protests outside the police headquarters called in the Parramatta uh, calls for the resignation of commissioner Karen Webb because it wasn't until a few days later that they finally actually charged this police officer and he's been suspended with pay so he's still being paid right? wow. it's been now uh, almost six months we're now at the 29th of November, and only today has he finally, the charge has finally been upgraded to manslaughter. Good. They were calling for this straight away. There were community activists, I want to make note of Andrew Thaler, there were protesters, and I want to in particular mention a uh, protest in particular who actually came to Parramatta Police Headquarters calling for the resignation of Karen Webb. His name's uh, Michael uh, uh, Hayes. He's a grey bloke from Western Sydney from the Warragamba area. He was there protesting after Claire Nolan's murder, that's what that's what it was. You can call it a manslaughter. I'd rather call it a murder because he intentionally shot her and killed her. And this man, this protester, Michael, is a good man, an honourable man, never been charged with an offence in his life, came to protest in honour of Claire, in memory of Claire Nolan, and the police uh, tracked him down. They followed him. They defected his car. They went through. They found, you know, some rust under the bonnet somewhere. Absolute stitch-up. I want to make special note of Michael Hayes. And uh, he stood up for Claire Nolan, and well done, Michael. Your efforts were not in vain, and all the other protesters and campaigners all around the country, like Andrew Thaler and others in Cooma, in the community, the family of Claire Nolan, who are now taking action against the police force. If it was you or I, Dean, or anyone else out there who did anything of the sort, uh, even a minor offence, even a suspected offence, the law would come down on us like a ton of bricks, but it takes them six months to finally upgrade this charge to manslaughter when everyone knew that that was the right thing to do. It's been a win to the people. Uh, Christian White, by the way, you know, I actually went to school with him. He was in my class that quarter. Really? Yeah. Mate, it's a small world, isn't it? But, yeah, the wheels of justice certainly <clears throat> turn very slowly out, out there. And, again, uh, with, uh, you know, Thaler and the whole, you know, uh, Professor Spitty and whatnot, I'd love to find out where that's going to end up. And let's just hope that justice is done there as well. That'll be terrific. Well, Professor Spitty faced court uh, in Cooma local court on the 22nd of November for a mention, and uh, there will be no doubt uh, a date set down uh, soon in the future. A couple more mentions and maybe a hearing for Professor Spitty. 
for that spit in the face. But again, with the spitty incident, took them weeks and weeks until they finally charged her. It's only until the public have to jump up and down, have protests, have social media campaigns, sign petitions, and really put the pressure on through social media. And again, it's not the mainstream media who are heading this pressure. Again, it comes back to those of us uh, in the uh, independent media space uh, who are carrying the, the baby in these situations because the media are just too corrupt to face up to it. But when finally this police officer is charged, of course, with manslaughter, they're all trumpeting the headlines. The ABC, the Daily Mail, Channel 9, all the agencies, all the news networks are saying, look, 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 Christian White has finally been charged with manslaughter. Now, he was in my class at St. Andrew's Cathedral School, this bloke, Christian White. And you'll see from media reports that he's 33 years old, uh, same age as I, I'm 33. And uh, what I remember about Christian White, he was this sort of nerdy character, I think I actually bullied him, to be quite honest. And I'm not saying bullying is a good thing. It's just he probably deserved it. He was a bit of a weirdo, right? And he he wasn't the type to, you know, play sport or be popular or, you know, be uh, some type of um, yeah uh, communicable person. He was a sort of the, the kid who sat in the corner playing with magic cards or Warcraft or some something like that. He was a bit of a weirdo. Never saw him, you know, kick a footy. Never saw him... Uh, you know, with a basketball or, you know, sit in the corner eating his Vegemite sandwich, getting picked on. And that's what happens. These are the kind of guys that become coppers. They get picked on their whole lives. They become cops. So then they can go out into the world and then pick on other people to redeem their own experiences of being a loser and being a bully. And Christian White should never have been passed to be a police officer. To be a cop, I mean, you have to be level-headed. Uh, you have to be staunch. You have to be cool, calm, and collected and be able to work under pressure. Christian White is a person who does not uh, fit that character. And, of course, you know, you're a policeman, you're carrying around a gun and a taser, and you go off and you shoot an old lady. For goodness sake, are you crazy? And the, the, I have no sympathy for Christian White, even though he was in my class at school. And uh, what can I say about him? Christian White, mate, uh, you're, a, you're a typical example of what the New South Wales Police Force has become. When they're struggling for recruits, they're struggling for new uh, students at the police academy, they're paying people. We'll give you $30,000 up front, come and become a police officer. Nobody wants to do it because nobody wants to serve the Commonwealth anymore. The crown, uh, after the disgrace that the police force has become uh, under Commissioner Mick Fuller and now under Commissioner Karen Webb. So the logical thing in all of this uh, would be for Commissioner Karen Webb to take responsibility uh, for the corruption in the police force. Why does it take six months for Christian White to be charged? What evidence were they waiting for? They were saying, oh, there was an autopsy. It doesn't take six months to do an autopsy. Yeah. Why wasn't Professor Spitty charged? Why did it take weeks and weeks and weeks until uh, Mark Davies, who was also my lawyer and also representing Andrew Thaler. Again, we're always talking about Mark Davies on this uh, station because he happens to be representing. Whenever there's a troublemaker in town, Mark Davies is on the scene. There's a great solicitor, Mark uh, Davies. And he was pressuring and pressuring and calling and emailing and meeting with the police in Cooma, saying, why aren't you charging Professor Spitty, who spat in the face of a no voter? Uh, and finally, uh, only after there's so much pressure around from the media, from the community. What's the lesson here, Dean? We, when we protest, we're actually doing a great public service. And those people out there, like Michael Hayes and others, who give up their time to protest for good causes, whether it's against mandates against lockdowns, against police corruption. These people are the true heroes in Australia, the mums and dads who uh, take to the streets and defend our freedoms 
and they should be appreciated. So I just want to make a special note here. Uh, in, of course, memory of Claire Nolan, God rest her soul. It was a terrible way to die at the hands of a police officer, killed by a police officer. Let's call it. Get a, call a spade a spade. She was killed by a copper, lest we forget Claire Nolan. I couldn't agree more. And your your psychological assessment of not just many of our new police officers, but of course of those who are activists for the left is spot on. They were the kids who were bullied, who hated being bullied. They get into big groups and they go out and bully others. And so now the kicking boot seems to be on the other foot. But I think you 100% knocked it out of the park with that psychological assessment. Mate, great to talk to you. Out of time. Looking forward to doing it again next time. Simeon, keep on keeping on. And thanks for being on the program as per usual. Always a pleasure, Dean. Thank you. Yeah, Ozzy Kozak, everyone, a real champion. You're listening to TNT, you're watching TNT, and we'll be back right after this. What's happening? What's happening? News Flash. TNT Radio News. Hey. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. The extended pause in fighting continues to hold in Gaza, though Israel has vowed to resume its bombardment of the besieged territory once the truce ends. Palestinian prisoners released from Israel as part of the deal have described harrowing tales of torture and abuse while in detention. And there have been remarkable scenes in India where all 41 miners who have spent the past 17 days trapped under a collapsed mountain have been rescued. The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live And welcome back. Uh, My next guest is somebody I'm very much looking forward to talking to, and because she's very passionate about something that not only am I passionate about, I mean, I'd I'd quit radio, and the only reason I got back into commercial radio a few years back was because of all this nonsense that was happening with the COVID vaccinations and people telling you something that couldn't possibly be declared safe was safe, and there was nobody, very few people, in fact, in a few in politics, but no one in the media getting out and calling a spade a spade. So I did that. And when we get people like my next guest, Elizabeth Hart, she is an independent person investigating the overuse of vaccine products and conflicts of interest in vaccination policy. Also, the ethical aspects of over-vaccination, especially mandated vaccination. They're the ones that we have a particular uh, hatred for, uh, and they are of particular interest to her and myself. Uh, She's got a degree majoring in politics and philosophy and uh, a lot of experience in scientific uh, literature, and we've got her on the program. Hello, Elizabeth. A pleasure to have you on. Thank you, Dean. Very much uh, appreciate you having me on. Yeah, one of these things, I mean, where do we start? We we smelt a rat right from day one, didn't we? You know, many of yes. us, I know you're one of those people. I don't even have to ask. I just know. <laughs> I, I can tell. Um, and, and it gets into your, your, your soul. It is soul destroying to watch those who were, uh, you know, the fear porn that they were you know, had to endure. Um, the two groups who I'm the saddest for, and I know many of them in both groups, those who knew this thing wasn't safe or suspected it wasn't and were coerced into doing it, and worse still, the parents who were so afraid that their children could possibly die from this flu, and they went and injected their kids with something that was declared safe, and they trusted these people. And that, to me, is horrific. You've done a lot of investigation into it. Into it. Tell us what you found. Well, when you talk about the children, that is the worst. They, they, they knew this, that, that children were at no risk. Most people are at no risk at all with this thing. 
Uh, and an Atagi actually said it in their advice. They admitted that children weren't at risk, and yet they still recommended the children have the injections. This makes no sense. And it, it seems that what they wanted, they wanted everybody to have the vaccine because they wanted everybody on this system. It's like they had a forward plan that they were planning that where people would be compliant with injections on demand by the government. They had a new factory going in Melbourne and Queensland. This is all being planned, I think, to exploit the population and to get us locked into a digital system, digital ID system. That's what it's really all about. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to believe their numbers where it is, you know, one in a million. I mean, God, you know, a neighbour, uh, two very dear friends have massive uh, thing problems with them. I won't go into it because they probably are listening to the program uh, and don't want me talking about them. But I mean, I have a, a string of friends that have massive problems. We talk about, you know, Dr. Karen Phelps, who was herself pushing this on the public, those who trusted her because she's a bit of a media personality. And there was her and her partner who suffered major majorly as a result of being vaccinated. And there she was the other day pushing boosters again. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, we can't, we can't rely on the medical profession at all. They are the ones who have failed dramatically. They should have known voluntary informed consent is sacrosanct. And, and they let us down. And I'm really uh, pinning this back to June 21, when Scott Morrison, he wanted the residential aged care workers to be vaccinated which seemed to make sense because these were people looking after the elderly, but they weren't thinking about these workers themselves weren't at serious risk of disease. Why should they be made to have a medical intervention? And at that time, Paul Kelly and the AHPPC, they did not recommend compulsory vac vaccination. They recommended against it, but it was announced on the 4th of June 21 that Scott Morrison was going to overrule that medical advice. That's really a major thing. And this was reported on the ABC. So why wasn't this covered? This is an, an, an amazing thing that he is going to overrule the medical advice. He's going to campaign with, with National Cabinet to do this. And then a few weeks later, that's what happened. National Cabinet announced it was going to be compulsory for the residential aged care workers. And a day after that, on the 29th of June, that's when the recommendation came out from the HPPC. So that means that was a rubber stamp. Now, this is very significant because they broke the principle of voluntary informed consent. Once that was done, that opened up the way to vaccination mandates all over the place. And that's what's happened. So we have to go back. It's, it's Paul Kelly and the HPPC. I've made a complaint about Paul Kelly to ARPRA. I've said that he has he's violated voluntary informed consent by, by setting this in place. And now we've had medical practitioners, uh, and this is usually nurses and pharmacists, giving these injections. And I, in my opinion, in my opinion, nobody has given valid consent. And 69 million doses have been administered in Australia, according to the government statistics. You think about how huge that is if nobody's given valid consent. Another very important point is the Morrison government lied to the health practitioners in July 21 and told them that they had specific indemnity coverage. They don't have that. They've got a vaccine claim scheme, but the practitioners do not have specific indemnity for themselves. So this is brewing. This is brewing This with more and more people uh, exposing information around the world. When this really gets understood, what has happened in Australia, because we're one of the worst countries for mandates, mandates in a supposed free country.
I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Scott Morrison. I mean, his fingerprints are all over this. He, uh, to the, you know, he let other people be the bad guy. He played good cop, if you will. And, uh, he, oh, you don't have to do this. You don't have to take this. We're not mandating it. And he was the person assuming all these cabinet positions. He was pushing all the buttons behind the scenes. And there is nobody in this country that I would blame more than Scott Morrison at the highest levels of government. There he was pushing all the buttons. And I think. We could smell a rat. One of the biggest things was when you had uh, uh, medications that had been historically beyond safe, some of which had won uh, Nobel, you know, awards, awards. And then they were saying, well, you can't have these anymore. Of course, you can have hydroxychloroquine now. You can have these other antiparasitics that were repurposed. Um, but ivermectin, for example, um, just the things that they were denying people, the fact that they were pushing drugs like remdesivir on people when they were in the hospitals, and the fact that the only people who were dying were those who were put on respirators, who had had remdesivir, who had three or more comorbidities, or of course, and this is the big one, those who were actually older, older than the average life expectancy. And there were people cowering in their homes, wearing their triple masks while they're driving around by themselves and just absolutely, um, you know, floored by the fear that was driven into them. I thought we were better than that. I thought we were smarter than that here in Australia. And uh, I learned a lot of things about people in general over the last three years. But thank God, you know, we've got people such as yourself and a few in politics and the media who who were vocal and, and who stood up and who took that stand while the rest of the people stood back and, and did nothing. So many of them did nothing and just put their arm out. Well, I think we can't really blame the people too much because when you've got voices from authority really telling you to have something, politicians, the health officers, academics in the universities, we've got to examine the conflicts of interest of all these people. You know, what was going on here? The mainstream yeah. media, the absolute... Fear porn, as you said, would say, was coming through there. So there was such a message going to the public. They're relying on these people being truthful. So how could this happen? It was just an appalling situation. Yeah, no, it, it's beyond appalling. Uh, and it's funny because my next guest is actually uh, Senator Malcolm Roberts. And, you know, he was one of the few voices and very, very early in the part, him and people like Craig Kelly, absolute champions of, of all of this. You know, we had people in the Senate over, over in America, uh, you know, Pierre, Corey and co, who were testifying to the Senate, telling people how, you know, this thing wasn't safe, how we had alternatives, uh, you know, Professor Thomas Barodi and the media just ignored them. They called all of us names, those who did speak up. And I mean, we we do feel justified now, as I'm sure you do, as I know Malcolm Roberts did even at the time. He knew he was right. The problem is the media has learned nothing from all of this. And there they are now saying that there's, a, you know, new variants, go get your boosters. They're still pushing this. Some people are still buying it. And the numbers that we had in that New South Wales Health Respiratory Surveillance Report showed beyond any, I mean, any statistician can tell you it showed clearly that the more more of these shots you got, the, the more almost on an exponential level, you were likely to succumb to a flu or COVID, certainly that your immune system had been compromised to the extent where they took that data out at the end of 2012 because you couldn't deny it. It was devastating. So they seem to be complicit in covering this up, but not just covering it up and moving on to the next scam or hoax, but they, uh, they're they going to keep dragging this one on, tied in with other things. And uh, just when you thought it was over, who knows? You know, they're talking about, you know, mask mandates in hospitals in some states already in Australia again. Yeah, well, it's all it's a global thing. And we've got to go back to the beginning of this. And we got to go back to Neil Ferguson's report. This is out of Imperial College, London, Report 9. This was the report that pushed this um, distancing, restrictions and lockdown. This is the report 
uh, that was pushing this sort of stuff. And that report influenced the modelling of the Doherty Institute, which put us into lockdown and restrictions. So we have to go back and do retrospective critical analysis of this and, and check this out because it wasn't disclosed at the time that Neil Ferguson is funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and which they're basically running uh, global vaccination policy. They're basically running the World Health Organization. And this guy has been running, you know, he, he's planning all this stuff and, and benefiting from this power. And it, this has got to be investigated. You know, in 2020, you couldn't say a word against Bill Gates. But now that it, the spotlight is starting to turn on him and we need to him to be exposed for what has been, been done to this country and we have to investigate uh, the World Economic Forum's influence. Um, it, it, there's just so much to be considered now that hasn't been considered up, you know, previously. Yeah, I mean, I would trust Bill Gates as far as I could throw him, uh, a guy who was friends with Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, let's have a look at that. Yeah. I mean, you are pretty much the company you keep. And uh, when asked about him, well, he's dead now, isn't he? I think or something to that effect. But uh, again, a guy that I would trust as far as I could throw him. You, my dear, I think are absolutely phenomenal. I thank you so much for what it is that you're doing for everybody. And I'd love to chat chat again because our time is very limited today. But Elizabeth, uh, thank you so much for what you've done, for the stuff that you dig up. And can, I shall guarantee everybody shall you shall continue to dig up and uh, provide to the public and thank you for it if it wasn't for people such as yourself we'd all still be in the dark okay thanks very much d <laughs> thank you that's elizabeth thank hart you. everybody this is tnt and coming up after the break my favorite politician in the whole wide world malcolm roberts senator malcolm roberts will be joining us stick around with his expert analysis and opinion this is tnt radio's timothy shea I've been in and around politics for over 50 years, so it takes a lot to surprise me, much less shock me. But I was shocked, shocked, not that so many Argentines voted for Javier Malay, but that the Peronist powers that be allowed him to win the election. And the thing that made me the happiest for my Argentine friends is the video that Malay put out where he went down the row of a magnetic board that had all the Argentine government ministries listed and all the irrelevant ones he pulled them off the magnetic board over his shoulder. They're gone, no more. That's exactly what we need to have happen here in the United States. We need Donald Trump back in January of 2025 to streamline our government. We need to move the Department of the Interior actually out into the interior. We need to move the Department of Agriculture to where we commit agriculture. And most importantly, we need to defund and disband FBI and distribute its law enforcement functions to other agencies that have their own law enforcement capability already stood up. We can't have Donald Trump back fast enough. I'm glad that Malay is going to make Argentina great again. We need Donald Trump here to make America great again. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. While serving in Afghanistan, I was hit by sniper fire. The fighting was so intense, the medevac chopper was barely able to land. In the hospital, I was given a 5% chance to live. It's a good thing math wasn't my best subject. Today, I visit classrooms and share my story. I talk to kids about dealing with life's struggles. I tell them, with a little help and a lot of work, that you can overcome any challenge. DAV helps veterans like Adam get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. I know that some struggles are big and some are small, but they're all struggles, and you have to learn to get through them. With support from DAV, more veterans like me can live their best life. And as a new father, I have one more reason to keep on keeping on. 
My victory is being there for the next generation. Adam Alexander, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Dean Mackin. Dean Mackin. This is the Dean Mackin Show on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Speak of the devil, the devil shall appear. Speak of an angel, and you'll get this man, Senator Malcolm Roberts. And he is politically, he is an angel. And I've, I've said it, you know, if we ever do, God forbid, change to a republic, I mean, who would you want as president? Wow, you know, I mean, he's the guy as prime minister. Take him, I'll take him any way I can get him. He's absolutely a legend. Senator Malcolm Roberts, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Dean, and good to see you back again. It's all, it's good to see you. I'm loving this whole TV thing that we actually get to see each other face to face. Now, now Malcolm, Malcolm's not a bad looking guy, so it's okay. I've got a head for radio. I'd, I'd be happy, you know, standing behind the green screen. But mate, it is phenomenal to have you on, and uh, it's good to be. Uh, I think one thing that I like about you know this video format is you know you can read people. You know, you know if someone's fair mm-hmm. income or not by their face, their eyes, their expression, and uh, you, you're a face everybody knows in Australia. But I mean, just you know, for us, the commentators, for those that the public doesn't know, I think it's good for them. They can get a read on us, you know, whether we're fair income or not, but I guarantee everyone here at TNT Radio yeah, certainly I, I is. I love to see the eyes. The, the eyes make all the difference, you know. And it is. I'll, I'll have like... to get some, some contact lenses. That being the, <laughs> the case, mate. These glasses are about an inch thick. Now, uh, mate, I didn't know where, where, where to start. There's so much going on and we haven't spoken for probably a month and a half. But something I was going to talk to um, Elizabeth about, and uh, I just briefly spoke to you during the break, was the, you know, and people are wondering what's happening with the WHO uh, pandemic treaty, because that's one of the very few things that frightens me, that really does frighten me. Where are we at with that? And, uh, yeah. Tell us. Well, it was pretty scary about uh, 18 months ago. I remember first uh, exposing this in April 2022, and uh, I think I was the first politician in Australia to do so. And some of my videos went around the world and came back, and we really belted them, the the World Economic Forum and especially the World Health Organization, as you know. Uh, And that caught on. The people took it up and put pressure on politicians And then the Africans said, we've had enough of uh, the World Health Organization killing our African people as as guinea pigs, so you can go to hell. Uh, The the World Health Organization then ramped up the pressure, wanted to buy them out with billions of free stuff. I mean, what what free stuff would you take from this mob? They'd kill you. Uh, (laughs) And and so the Africans said, no, you're not buying us off. And so they started watering it down. And now it looks like it could almost be acceptable. We we wouldn't want it, but uh, we could live with it and literally live with it now. They've watered it right back, and uh, none of the the serious modifications are are there, the threatening modifications. But we say to everyone, celebrate that success, but don't let up. Keep your foot on the throttle because um, these bastards could change it at any time and and pull a swifty, so we've got to keep the pressure on Australian politicians because regardless of what the World Health Organisation does, the only way it can come in is if the parliament passes it. And so we we need to keep the pressure on the World Health Organization to keep it watered down uh, and keep them awake and know that we're watching them and keep the pressure on our politicians. Well, mate, certainly a lot of people will be sleeping better tonight because I literally know a bunch of people, uh, possibly myself included two years ago, who thought, what if they knock on the door and say, you have to have this injection? And I know people that were packing up tents and getting ready to go bush, and I mean that. I mean yeah. that literally. Oh, so- yeah. Yeah, I, I know. I know people like that too. My wife's one of them, uh, you know, and she's yeah. and she's very, very bright. But uh, you know, Dean, it gives us some 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 faith because there are two things. First of all, the World Economic Forum 
listed, uh, put out a page on strategy. I think they call it strategic something or other uh, about 18 months ago. And it was just a very, very short page, half a page. And it talked about the increasing trend towards the far right extremism and Australia. They mentioned one country, Australia. That's the only country they mentioned. Um, Australia is full of far right extremists, Islamophobes, homophobes, transphobes, racists, rednecks, you know, this kind of thing. Yeah, and they singled out one party party around the whole world, and that was One Nation. And we, we <laughs> <laughs> so you can imagine how, how how happy and proud Pauline and I were after that mention. But it, what it, what it points to is that we can have a say. The people of Australia can really belt these mongrels for what they are. I mean, you just climbed into Bill Gates. That man is despicable. His behaviours yeah. are disgusting. So the other thing is, we've got some pretty serious stuff coming up in Parliament. I don't think a lot of the digital identification, digital verification, or identity verification stuff will actually work, but they'll cause a lot of problems in trying to introduce it. So we've got to keep the pressure on, you know, the, the pressure to, to keep cash. I used to use credit card for everything. I now use cash for everything. Yeah. I rarely use a credit card. I go to the bank, get money out and carry it. And uh, that's very, very important. And the banks are seeing an increasing trend to cash now. Yeah, mate, I, I was telling everybody to do it and finding that just out of pure convenience, I was tapping my phone for everything. And I said, yep. do you hear yourself when you're talking to radio? So now, you know, I'm always got the cash in the pocket. Go grab some out of the safe before I go. out. Plus, you'll you'll quite often get a better deal on things. You know, will you take this much yeah. money if you go and buy something on Gumtree or rock up to the markets? Everything's cheaper for cash. You've even got stores that have signs, cheaper for cash, and incentive, if you will, to keep it out. But, of course, the best thing that anyone ever told me, you know, the butcher goes to the candlestick maker, there's the, pays him 50 bucks, he goes to the next place, 50 bucks, and after 65 transactions, there's that $50 bill intact. But if you do that electronically at, let's say, 1.5%, there is nothing left of that $50 bill. The banks, the big boys, have got every cent, that $50, that literally, that $50 is no longer circulating in your circle. It's gone. It's out of your economy. And your group is actually poorer for it. And people don't get that. And that's after just 65 transactions of a single $50 bill. And that plays up at any level. But something that people really do need to do is picture that and just understand what a real tangible thing that is you're giving all this money away to the big boys yep uh and, and you know with, with that 50 dollars, every time you pay 50 dollars on a credit card there's a fee involved if you're not paying it directly as a fee which is quite often the case then you're the vendor who sold it to you is paying it as a fee so he has to put the prices up so you're paying for it either way yeah. either direct to the bank or indirectly through the vendor and and that's so important plus they starting to get all the information not starting they're, they're really climbing and getting the information about us and and, uh, and and watching us. And there's more coming up. We've got this identity verification bill that was due to come up this week in the Senate. But we've heard, um, Dean, that it seems like they must have realised we're waking up because uh, digital identity has been, as, is now on the calendar for being introduced into the Senate tomorrow. Wow. So, yes, digital and identity. And now it's a double-edged sword, that one, because whilst I absolutely am against anything like that being compulsory, there are certain things where I would love it. For example, on a Medicare card, where you only need to show it when you're asking the Australian government to pay for some medical services 
for you because I'm hearing horror stories of people coming in from overseas using relatives' Medicare card to get very expensive medical uh, procedures done here in Australia. And because it's just a green card, the medical you know, fraternity, the staff are none the wiser. So for certain things, I would love some kind of check in place, but certainly not as a mandatory way of just getting about. It's like the Australia card. You remember how horrified we all were back decades ago when we learned of the Australia card. They're trying to do it again. But there are certain things that I would love for us to have to prove our identity, like when we vote and certainly when we use Medicare. But apart from that, absolutely, we should be allowed to go about our business without any form of digital but, but identity Dean, we, or otherwise. We don't, need, we don't need digital identity for that. I can, no. I, I've, got a, I've got a driver's license that I, I haul out whenever I need to. It's got a picture of me. Um, you can get a Medicare card. Sorry, we should be able to get a Medicare card with a picture on it so that you know it's you and not, not somebody rorting the system. Uh, so what was the other example you used, photo? Uh, um, but people, you know, rocking up from overseas using yeah, a voting. Yeah, yeah, voting. I mean, that Campbell Newman in Queensland introduced voter ID, and it's one of the first things he did in twenty. When did he come into power? 2011, 20, 2013, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and and the first thing that Palaszczuk did when Campbell Newman was out was to remove voter ID. You know, wow. so but you should. I, I believe you should have voter ID with a photograph on it. Yeah, mate, it, it's it's funny. Here's the government. I mean, they're all over it. I can't believe uh, how well they're doing as far as, you know, electronic digital licenses. That I quite like the digital driver's license, not having to carry one with me. I've always got my phone, for example. But, uh, you know, when it comes to voting, which literally changes the outcome of this country, we had people like Meryl Swanson, who used to be a talkback announcer at 2SM on the network that I used to work at when I first started. And there she is now as an MP based up in Newcastle. And, you know, there was the hashtag, you know, vote often, vote often. She was literally telling people to go and vote often. That was quickly removed when it was drawn to the attention of other people. But apart from me, when I went to vote and them asking me, have I voted before and me doing a very honest no, what was to stop me from just wandering up to the next place and doing it all again? No checks and balances in the most important places, yet a government that is all over technology at every single level and they just don't want to know about it when it comes to voting. Why? Because it suits them. That's correct, mate. They, they, when it suits them, they, they do what they want. But, you know, you just said the government is all over technology. The, the, the fact is that digital security is non-existent and the worst places digital security fails is with governments and big tech. And largely it's due to human error, not due to technology failures. But... The, the thing I, I was saying is that they're, they're pushing this down the road. They think they've got the technology. They don't have it, and they'll make a mess of it. So we, we won't ever, I don't think, be co totally controlled by electronic images of our identity, but I think there'll be a lot of problems by with them trying to go down the path and then fail. One of the th heartening things was that I asked a question about digital identity and digital transformation of the digital, the head of the Digital Transformation Agency in, in federal uh, federal department. And um, everything they touched, like the Aeroflyn, you know, everything they touched, they screwed. And, and uh, no, seriously, <laughs> billions of dollars blown. Yeah. Uh, and, and so when you, when you realise it's in their hands to, to implement the digital identity, we, we, we're probably safe that we won't ever get, get it down the way the, the Chinese have got it. But, um, you know, it's going to cause an awful lot of damage along the way. So we'll see what happens with this digital identity that they're introducing tomorrow into the, into the Senate.
Mate, again, I say it, and it sounds a little bit cliche, but it's absolutely from the heart if it wasn't for people such as yourself who, who are as passionate and fair dinkum as you are. Um, it really does scare me to think where we'd be here in Australia without you fight, fighting for us, letting us know and being that voice that, uh, and I think we are an overwhelming voice that has been disproportionately de-amplified or toned down by the media. And if it wasn't for people like you, Malcolm Roberts and One Nation, uh, mate, we, we wouldn't have a, a leg to stand on politically, mate. So thank you for being there for us. And I say that to you on behalf of all Australians. Thank you very much. But what we have to do, Dean, I, I mean that, thank you. But I quickly went to the butt. What we have to do is to get the people who are in charge of this country back in charge of this country. And that's the people. The people are the top of our constitution. The people elect the government. The people have been asleep, including me until a few years ago, until about 12 years ago. Um, but now the people are starting to wake. But the people need to make sure that the governments work for them. And until we get that, the people awake, we're gonna have a lot of trouble in this country because the people are, are being bulldozed. Malcolm, I could not agree more, mate. You couldn't have timed out any better. Senator Malcolm Roberts of One Nation, I thank you for your time and for joining us here at TNT. I'll be back tomorrow. And Leonard Opick coming up next, and Katie Hopkins back as well.